Bible Beaters, welcome to another episode of the Bible Beater Podcast. This is the Lord of Hosts, Caleb Campbell, for once, uninterrupted by that idiot, Kyle Vesner. How's it going anyways, dildos? Uh, this, yeah, this is me, Caleb. I'm here alone in my new kitchen. Uh, I just got back from a month-long trip in Sweden, and I have to do a two-week quarantine. So I'm sitting here, staring at the wall. And uh, really enjoying the unencumbered, uh, uninterrupted silence that I think that I know that I'll get from this week's podcast. Um, I'll tell you all about Sweden in a minute, but first, I just want to apologize for uh, last week's podcast. Uh, you really c- can't leave those idiots alone. I'll take the words out of Jesus' mouth: "Father, forgive them; they know not what they do." Now, Simeon, I love you, brother. And maybe I should have told you this before you start the podcast, but 80% of your job of hosting the Bible Beater podcast is putting a leash on that fucking idiot, Kyle. Okay? Because Kyle, he's just, there's no other way to say it. He's a raging narcissist. Okay? He's got a giant head with very little hair on top and no fucking ideas in there. Okay? He really truly believes that the limited success of this podcast is not due to be to reading the greatest selling book of all time. No, Kyle really thinks that people give a shit about his stupid fucking haircuts. Kyle, uh, nobody gives a fuck about your fucking haircuts, okay? The only reason you care is because you have so very little hair that you only got about a dozen haircuts left. <laughs> uh, laughing at your own jokes is kind of weird. I already feel like I'm... Uh, Leaving a very long message on someone's phone, and I want to delete and restart. But we are going to plow ahead. Um, yeah, Kyle. Kyle's fucking narcissism is so bad that he thought he had he joined this twenty seven club from losing his virginity. <laughs> but really, uh, real artists were already having full careers and blowing their brains out by this point. Um, I feel like I can say whatever I want because he won't listen to this. He'll probably, because he's not on it, right? He's like, why the fuck would I listen to that if I'm not on it? So, or maybe he will listen to it and he'll give me shit next week. I, uh, either way, I can't wait. So yeah, um, I'm back from Sweden. Uh, I spent a month there. I had a very great time. I was pretty scared to go there. And it, so here's the deal. Um, I don't know if I told you guys this before, but I'll just tell you the whole story. <laughs> now, after calling Kyle a narcissist, I'm going to go ahead and talk about myself for a bit. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay, Caleb. You're doing great. Positive self-talk. I already have that fucking idiot. Kyle's interrupting me from the grave, like he's not even here. I don't. I don't even know where he is. I think he's in Winnipeg watching another one's another one of his friends throw their life away. Um, but I actually don't even know. So he'll he'll probably he'll definitely have some stories for us next week because everything that happens to Kyle he thinks is worthy of being on the fucking podcast. Anyways, um, yeah. So I went to Sweden for a month. It was fucking awesome. Um, it was lovely to see my girlfriend and her family. But uh, I was pretty nervous going over there at first. So here's the deal. <laughs> we had like a plan, like everybody else in the world before this fucking pandemic hit um she was gonna go back to school we were gonna go my brother was supposed to get married in july so i was gonna see her then and then she would come back for christmas she'd be done by so i'd see her a few times throughout the year and then covid happened um her plane got delayed my brother's wedding got canceled 
and uh, I don't know, everything was fucked. But I still had my plane ticket, and there was kind of a window there at the end of August, and uh, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't really want to go, but it was one of those, like, you expect me to move halfway across the world and you won't even come visit? So I was just like, fuck it. We'll see what happens. This is the dumbest idea ever. I was so fucking nervous that I was going to go there, give her parents COVID, and kill her whole family. That's what I really thought. But the Swedes don't give a shit. <laughs> the Swedes' attitude to COVID, it's... I, my, my stance has changed, okay? Before I went, I was very nervous and very scared, very scared of this disease. Here's, here's the thing. I'll, okay, it's weird... It's weird just fucking talking all by yourself. Um, I went, and I was convinced I was going to kill her parents, and everybody was going to call me that, yeah, that's exactly what you get, you stupid fuck, for traveling in the middle of a pandemic. But I got there, and the Swedes don't really give a shit. They basically just locked all their old people in their old folks' homes, and then the rest of them just said, if we die, we die, like fucking Vikings. It's actually the best strategy i i mean i think so i did my own stupid fucking research where i asked everybody that i knew in sweden if they knew somebody who had got covid and every single person i asked said yes and i was like jesus and they were like some of some of the people had covid themselves and i was like what was it like they're like it sucked for sucks for two weeks it really really sucked and everybody knew somebody that got it pretty bad like every oh my cousin was in the hospital for seven weeks on a ventilator or my friend got it and he still can't taste or smell so it's a real disease i'm not saying it's not a real disease i'm just saying that if it's the world we live in that has this disease i don't think it's prudent to just fuck our entire lives up over like you, you could get tuberculosis you could get can i get i get it that it's not as it's way the problem is is that it's way more uh, transferable is that the word contagious you can give it to people without showing symptoms so that's what everybody was worried about but now that we've been around it for six months and if you're not if you're not that unhealthy you'll probably live like <laughs> I'm gonna stay in my quarantine of course cuz like if my dad gets it he'll fucking die for sure so it is serious in that respect but it's not serious enough to shut the whole thing down I, I don't know I guess I'm talking around in circles but um that's my, those are my thoughts on quarantine. So, uh, Sweden was fucking awesome though. So I got there and <laughs> I was like, do I have to quarantine? They're like, hell no, just come straight over to my parents' house. My mom's a nurse. She works with old people. It'll be fine. And I was like, this seems really reckless. But I went there. I did not get sick. We were in this little tiny town of Sefla, which has, I'm just going to say 5,000 people. I don't actually know if that's true, but it's a little tiny town. So I stayed there for the first week. Um, then we went to Gothenburg and uh, met a bunch of Camilla's friends. That's where I started asking people if they had COVID. And everybody was just like, dude, nobody gives a shit. Nobody's wearing masks. Re they, they have like tape on like every third table at a restaurant. But the trams are packed. Like they, <laughs> the beach. Gothenburg. So it's on the ocean in a port. And it's fucking Sweden. So like you think that it's like a cold place it was actually real nice in august anyways they they all they all like let's go to the beach and you go to the fucking gothenburg beach and it's just like fjords it's like rock 
I'm not going to say cliffs, but there's no beach there. It's just rocks jutting out in the ocean with little islands, and everybody sits on steep fucking rocks. Uh, I had a pretty good time. Uh, I put a picture of that on my Instagram if you want to see it. And then we went back to the little town of Sefla. I went fishing with her mom and dad. Didn't catch anything, but had a great time anyways. I actually ended up spending quite a bit of time with Camilla's parents, Tord and Elrica. Don't laugh. That's the, that's the name. All right. That's people have funny names in different countries. And you're, uh, you're Kyle would be saying something racist at this point, but so you can you guys can just interrupt with your own Kyle thoughts. Just pander to like the worst side of your nature, and that's what Kyle would be doing right now. So uh, we went hung out with Torrid and Elrica. We went to this one of the places we went that was so fucking cool was this abandoned car lot, which sounds kind of lame, but it was awesome. You drive in the forest up this dirt road through, like, bridges to, like, what seems like the middle of nowhere, and these two brothers, I guess, had accumulated, uh, like, they had, like, a junkyard of all these, like, 1950s, like, Euro cars, and it's now, like, fully overgrown. It's, like, a forest around these cars. So the way the light comes through the trees and looks on them, and they're stacked, like, three high. I don't know. There must have been, I'm going to say 500 cars there in the middle of a forest. It was pretty fucking cool. I put pictures of that, uh, I guess, on Facebook. Maybe I'll, maybe you guys should join the Bible Beater Facebook page. Uh, there's about 13 fans there, but... I don't know. It's a good way to communicate with us, and you can see some of the shit we put on, uh, or I put up on the internet. Um, at, from there, we went to uh, this like Costco, basically Swedish Costco, and um, they have like the biggest candy store I've ever fucking seen. It was like a like a, a candy store the size of Costco, and I was like, "What the hell is?" It? And they explained to me that. In Norway, they have a sugar tax, so all the Ouija's come down to Sweden to buy their candy. They had, like, pallets and pallets and pallets of Coca-Cola and all this candy and shit. And so it's funny, the Norwegians come to Sweden to buy their candy and their booze, and then the Swedes go to Germany to buy their booze. Um, and then we went to the little town of Danica. Uh, I'm trying to pronounce it the Swedish way, I'm sure, um, if there's any Swedes listening. They all fucking love to laugh at how I pronounce shit. We went to this little town of Danica where uh, my uh, sister-in-law, ever so graciously, offered up her family's... They got this cabin on an island in a lake, which was like the coolest thing ever. It's like, it's got electricity, but kind of like, it's kind of like old school, kind of modern. Got a little kitchen in there. Um, it was so fucking sweet. Um, it's right on this lake. There's a rowboat. I went rowing shit. I could have went fishing, but I don't really even like fishing. Don't tell my dad. Uh, we went and saw some castles there. Tor Tor Torta Ca Tula Castle or something. And Laco Castle. Laco Castle. Or I saw that at a different time, but it doesn't really... You guys don't need... Who cares? Uh, Laco Castle, it was like a 16th century... I don't know. It was a fortress, but it was never involved in any war. And they had a bunch of pictures of fat, old Swedish people that thought themselves very important. That's what I thought. That's what I was wondering about when I looked at these pictures. I was like, these people really thought that people give a fuck about would give a fuck about them later. And they all just kind of look like fat nerds. 
Um, I ran into a tour guide there. We didn't hire a tour guide, but I talked to one, and uh, she was pretty cool. And I was asking her about the Thirty Years' War and Sweden's role in it, and I was kind of asking her some like military. She was like, "How do you?" She's like, "Are you like a Swedish I was, history?" I was like, "No, I just listened to Sabaton," and she was like, <laughs> "Me too." And she's like, "That's all you really need to know." Um, and then so yeah, we went. We stayed at the island for like five days. And it was beautiful. Man, the, the sad thing is, the beautiful thing for me, but the sad thing was supposed to be where my brother was going to have his honeymoon. So we kind of stole his, uh, I don't know, weddings right, birthright. We stole it. And we stayed there. And it was, uh, it was beautiful. And then one night, um, Joab's uh, mother-in-law, future mother-in-law and father-in-law, uh, he's got the most Swedish name ever, Anders Anderson. Um, they came over and he brought some wild boar that he had uh, shot earlier in the year, and it was so fucking delicious. And then they told us they were gonna have that on like for like Joab's wedding feast or like when Joab was in town. So I stole Joab's like honeymoon and wedding supper. But uh, Joab, if you're listening, you n- just know that I loved it, and um, you would have loved it. And whenever you do, whenever you get to go there, you're gonna have a wonderful time. And I very much appreciate um Aileen's family and her mom and dad letting me letting us use that place it was awesome and then from there I went back to Cephla and hung out in the next town with uh, some of Camilla's high school friends we got uh nice and drunk I didn't do much drinking on this trip which was pretty good for me I drank I think three times I, f- I feel like I didn't drink at all but I drank three times that's it. That's when I, you know you're an alcoholic. When it's like, man, I've really taken, I've really been good. I've really taken some time off, <laughs> but it's been like every week basically. Anyways, we hung out there. We went mountain biking. They had this like mountain bike track, which was pretty fucking sweet with some jumps on it. And uh, I tried to go big on the jump and I fucking crashed. But luckily, I was wearing my helmet because my mother always said to wear a helmet. And then we went back to Gothenburg one more time. Went out drinking with the boys one night. That was fun. Um, we met the famous emailer, Allie. Uh, hello, Allie. It was wonderful to see you. She gave me a bunch of tips on how I should do my podcast, and uh, I told her to go fuck herself. And then we went, before I went home, I went and got my uh, myself, um, uh, we went to the candy store, and I bought so much fucking candy, um, which reminds me of last time I was in... Sweden. I hope I haven't told this story before, but we went to this candy store, and the way they do it there is you kind of just they have, you know, bulk bins of all this candy, and you grab a bag, and then you go to the till and you weigh it at the end. So <laughs> I had like like a movie popcorn bag size full of fucking candy, like two kilograms of candy, and this little kid, he must have been like eight or nine years old, he puts his, you know little bag of like three bucks worth of candy on the scale and then he takes his off and I'm behind him and I put my two kilograms of candy on the scale and the little kid looked up at me as if I were a god (laughs) he looked at me like someday I'm going to be a a full grown man and I'm going to have enough money to buy as much candy as I fucking want and I was like yeah kid keep dreaming keep dreaming buddy and uh, so yeah that was my trip to Sweden um, I had a wonderful time, and uh, I guess we'll uh, 
smash, smash right through the Bible. Um, do you remember what we read last week, Kyle? Uh, of course not. I don't fucking even do anything but think about what I'm going to say next on this podcast. Uh, well, perfect, Kyle, because last week you fucking... They didn't even start talking about the Bible for 26 goddamn minutes. I don't know how long I just talked, but it wasn't 26 goddamn minutes. I, I hope not, at least. Anyways, they talked about... Kyle fucking... <laughs> it was a funny podcast. I enjoyed it. I laughed out loud on the plane a few times, but... Kyle fucking walked over one of the great stories ever of Absalom's death. So uh, I'm going to do a quick recap of that. Um, David mustered his men, and uh, they went to have a battle in the woods of Ephraim. David said, remember, you know, kill all the other Israelites. So David had no problem with killing his countrymen, but no killing his son. Um, I don't know. I just feel like that speaks to David's... You know how David's always like, you can't harm a man of God, but he could harm his own Israelites. I guess they rose up against him. I don't know what the fuck to think about that. But it makes me feel like he's not such a great guy if he didn't try to avoid this fucking war. But maybe there was no avoiding this war. So anyways, I'm going to get to the good part. Um, so Absalom happened to meet David's men. This is Second uh, Samuel chapter 18, verse 9. Now Absalom happened to meet David's men. He was riding his mule, and his mule went under thick branches of a large oak. Absalom's head got caught in the tree. Now remember, Absalom has his, you know, they talked about this, his beautiful fucking five-pound locks of hair. I don't care who you are, and I don't care how thick your hair is. I don't care if you're some filthy wook hippie with dreads past your fucking ass. Nobody is riding under a tree and getting just stuck in a fucking tree. That doesn't happen. Like, have you ever heard of somebody dirt biking under a tree and getting caught by the fucking hair in the tree? It's very implausible. I, I refuse to believe that actually, that actually happened. But anyways, as the story goes, he was left hanging in midair while the mule kept riding on, <laughs> kept on going, which is a pretty hilarious, pretty slapstick scene for the Bible. He's just like... You know, I mean, I like to think that he was right. He must have been riding fast because he's being chased. But it would be hilarious if he was riding to set like a walking speed, and he just goes under the branch, and the branches tangle his hair, and he's just like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Stop! 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 Stop!" And then the mule just keeps going, hey! and he's hanging there by his hair. How bad would that fucking hurt, hanging by your fucking hair? Um, fuck! It's really bad when you're saying fucking when you're the only person in the room. It really makes you feel. It really makes you sound dumb, I think. Um, when Joab's, verse 10, when one of his men saw this, he told Joab, I saw Absalom hanging in an oak tree. And Joab said, said to the man who told him this, what, you saw him? You didn't strike him down right there? And I, you know, props to Kyle, I knew he would make the fucking stuck Pornhub joke. You didn't fuck him right there? It's amazing how Kyle can interrupt me from not in the room. I could just hear what he's going to say. Um, I would have given you 10 shekels of silver. And if you want to know, that is about 4 ounces or 115 grams of silver. Which is, you know, no small price. Oh! When we went to Laco Castle, they had, like, the treasury of this castle behind, like, the thinnest glass you've ever seen. And there's no cameras in there. And I was like... Anyone like it's right on uh, Lake Vatnern or Vatnern or something. It's the biggest lake in all of Europe, 
and uh, I was like, man, this would be this is my idea for a heist. You any feel free to take this because I'm not doing it. So here's what you do: you go to Laco Castle, you visit it once. There's one fat lady at the front gate. No security ever anywhere. It's on its own island. So Sweden's topography is basically just like lakes, fields, and like copses of forest, okay? And there's hardly any hills, and it's very rocky, at least where I was. Like the, 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 sh the soil is very shallow, so all the large trees blow over. Anyways, so there's just lakes everywhere. That's why they, the Vikings made those boats, because you can get pretty much all around Sweden just following rivers and lakes. So here's my plan. You drive up to the castle. You just walk, you, you know, either pay for admission or you just walk in and you get two fucking hockey bags and you walk up there and you break the glass and you put all the gold and silver in hockey bags and then you get on a boat and then you just fucking disappear into the Swedish countryside. Because you could go, you could get to any of the big bodies of water there. And from there, you take a float plane into Russia and you smelt it down and you sell it. That's that's my uh, way to make an easy... Well, I don't know what gold and silver is worth, but at least a, at least $100. At least, at least 1,000 shekels. Back to the Bible. So Joab asked the guy, why didn't he strike him down right there? But the man replied, even if it weighed 1,000 shekels, even if it were 1,000 shekels, which is 25 pounds or 11 kilos of silver. There's probably, I don't know, 10,000 shekels worth of gold and silver in that place and all these sick old guns like muskets and pistols and the caliber of those things. It's, they're like, an, an I don't know, an inch in diameter. They're like mini cannons. Like if you got shot for one of those, they'd blow a fucking hole right through your chest. But they're, I guess they're pretty inaccurate. So anyways... The man says he won't do it for even a bunch of money because the king says not to. And Joab's like, you fucking pussy, basically. Joab, verse 14. I'm not going to wait for you like this. So he took three javelins in his hand and plunged them into Absalom's heart while Absalom was still alive in the oak tree. So however long it took for Absalom... Okay, Absalom... But presumably he's wearing his weapons of war. He was just at a battle. He doesn't have a knife somewhere to cut his own hair, to cut himself down. You'd think if he's hanging there for enough time for a guy to see him, be like, Hey, Absalom, hey, please let me down from here. Actually, no, I'm going to go tell Joab that you're here. Goes to tell Joab. They have this conversation. And then he goes back. And Absalom's still dangling by his hair. You'd think you'd rip your own fucking hair. I don't, I don't buy this at all. Or anyways, he's hanging there like a Jew pinata. And I had to say Jew because Kyle's not here. So you have to say – you just have to make it racist even when it doesn't need to be. All right. I mean not racist. That's not the right word. Um, you just have to involve race because that's the way Kyle would do it. Which – actually, let's take a moment to talk about that. This is my theory. It's probably wrong. This is really hard to do just talking um, thoughts that you have – like – not well thought out ideas to a Van Gogh painting at the wall. But if every, maybe I have said this before, if everybody would just leave out the race of people when you're telling stories, instead of being like, I was cut off by this Indian guy, or, you know, some Jew actually gave me a big tip. If you just said, some guy cut me off, or some guy gave me a big tip, all of a sudden, all the, stereotypes, negative influences are removed from the story. 
and you, it doesn't like reinforce whatever anybody thought. Because like if some guy if some guy cuts like some Jew gives you big tip, people like inherently go, you know, because of the stereotype. Oh, that's not very like it. You know what I mean? It's just reinforce. If just if you just told stories like a guy or a lady instead of the race of the person, I think the world would be a better place. It's a little fix. Try it. Probably won't work. Um, so, anyways, Joab is there. And Absalom is hanging from this oak tree, and he stabs him three times. And verse 15, and and ten of Joab's armor bearers surrounded Absalom, struck him, and killed him. How much fucking armor does Joab have that he needs ten armor bearers? It's like they're all carrying one piece. Like one guy's got his shin guards, another guy's got his shoulder pads. <laughs> It just sounds like they're going fucking rollerblading. Uh, so then Joab sounded the trumpet, and the troops stopped pursuing Israel, for Joab halted them. They took Absalom and threw him into a big pit in the forest. Oh, by the way, fucking Kyle and Simeon, like another thing that pissed me off is they did, it's one of the great stories of the Bible. They didn't even finish it. They get to the guy, he's hanging there by the thing, and then Kyle's like, yeah, fuck it, let's go boating. I can't talk enough shit about that guy. I, I he probably won't hear this. Maybe he will. So they. <laughs> so last week I think it ended with them Absalom getting stabbed. So this is where the story repicks up. So Joab sounded the trumpet, and the troops stopped pursuing Israel. Joab halted them. They took Absalom and threw him in a big pit in the forest and piled up a large heap of rocks over him. I think. Uh, I don't know. Israel, Hebrews, and Australians. Like, heaps. Nobody uses the word heap except Australians. It's like heaps and heaps. But anyways, they, they, they piled up a large heap of rocks over him. Meanwhile, all the Israelites fled to their homes. During his lifetime, Absalom had taken a pillar and erected it. <laughs> he erected a pillar. Good one, Kyle. <laughs> And erected it in the king's valley. <laughs> That's like the king's ass. Kyle, shut the fuck up, please. As a monument to himself. For he thought, I have no son to carry on the memory of my name. It's probably because he's gay. He's probably a gay guy because he has no sons and he's erecting pillars in, <laughs> in valleys. Kyle, please shut the fuck up and get out of my head. Uh, he erected a pillar in the king's valley as a monument because I have no son to carry on my name. He named the pillar after himself, and he called it Absalom's Monument to this day. Uh, maybe Absalom was gay. I mean, they did go out of his way to say how handsome of a man he was, and it's, I think, inherently true that all gay guys are handsome. So that's why I'm not very handsome. Or maybe that's not why. Maybe that's just... That's a dumb, that's a dumb thing. Just forget. Strike that. Um, back to the Bible here. Verse 19. Now, Ahimaz, son of Zadok, said... Oh, how funny was it hearing Simeon and trying to pronounce the name? I've been calling the guy Aphetel. He called him, like, a Pimitol, something like that. It doesn't really... It's really irrelevant. Irrelevant? Revelant? Irrelevant. Um, where were we? Now, Ahimaz, son of Zadok, Zadok... Let me run and take news to the king that the Lord has delivered him from the hands of his enemies. The Lord. 
had delivered him from the hands of his enemies, you say? You mean other Israelites? The chosen people that God, you know, promised to protect? Even if you take all the, like, not, like, all the histor like historical inaccuracies out of the Bible, just, just, just reading just the nature of God himself. He's such a fucking asshole. It's, it's, that's, I think, enough, I don't know, I don't know what to Evidence, not evidence, but it's enough reason. If if you read the Bible exactly how it says it is, that's a good enough reason to not worship God, as far as I'm concerned. Because he promises to protect the Israelites and then like abandons them like right away. Oh man, I've came across a fantastic uh, post about God is not love. I will share that. I guess on the Bible Beater subreddit. Um. There's a few people there. We had like seven seven upvotes on one of our posts. Uh, that's a good place to go because I'm always on Reddit and I will definitely respond to any questions you have. And uh, who knows, you might make it on the podcast that way. So, sorry, back to the Bible here. Verse 20. Um, verse 19. It's, now, Imhaz, son of Zadok, let me run and take news to the king that the Lord has delivered him from the hands of his enemies. You are not the one to take the news today, Joab told him. You may take the news another time, but you must not do so today because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to a Cushite, Go and tell the king what you have seen. The Cushite bowed down before Joab and ran off. Amahaz, son of Zadok, said again to Joab, Come, come what may, please let me ride behind the Cushite. But Joab said, My son, why do you want to go? You will not have any news that will bring you a reward. He said, Come what may, I want to run. So Joab said, Run. Then Amahaz ran away of the plain and outran the Cushite. Um, I probably should have read ahead about this. I don't know what the big deal is with why he wants to, why the Cushite can't just deliver the news. But I guess I, this is just proof that Israelites are faster than Cushites because the Cushite had a head start. Well, David, verse 24, while David was sitting between the inner and outer gates, the watchman went up to the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked out, he saw a man running alone. The watchman called out to the king and reported it. If he is alone, he must have good news. And the man came closer and closer. But the watchman saw another man running and called down to the gatekeeper. Look, another man running alone. What a stupid sentence. <laughs> another man running alone. <laughs> the king said, he must be bringing good news too. Yeah, because they're both alone. Thus, they're both bringing good news. Perfect logic. The watchman said, it seems to me that the first one runs like Amahaz, son of Zadok. Now, that guy must have to keep, he must have Legolas, some elf eyes. Legolas, what do your elf eyes see? Uh, that guy has the running style of Amahaz, which sounds absurd, but I worked with a guy that uh, used to be a prison guard, and he told me that uh, a way to identify men is by their walks, because everybody's dressed the same, and you can kind of tell who someone is by like their gait or the way, just the way they carry themselves. So maybe it's possible he knew this guy. Um, he's, he's a good man, the king said. He comes with good news. Then Amahaz called out to the king, All is well. What a fucking liar. His, king, his son is dead. All is well. He bowed down before the king with his face to the ground and said, Praise be to the Lord your God. 
<laughs> That's kind of funny. It's, it's I don't know. I, the Lord your God. I'm going to start saying that to Christians. Praise be the Lord your God. <laughs> yeah, he's not for me, but you... Yeah, the Lord your God, he did some great shit. And some terrible shit. Uh, praise be the Lord your God. He has delivered up the men who lifted their hands against my Lord King. Other Israelites. The king asked, Is the young man Absalom safe? Amahaz answered, I saw great confusion just as Joab was about to send the king's servant and me, your servant, but I do not know what it was. You fucking liar. You absolutely knew you saw him get strung up by his hair, dangling there for over an hour, unable to cut it out with his weapons, apparently, and uh, stabbed like a human piñata. The king said, stand aside and wait here. So he stepped aside and stood there. Then the Cushite arrived and said, My lord, oh, I remember. So this that's what Joab's comment was about. Joab said, like, so Amahaz wants to go and give good news of the battle. See, I guess that, that's exactly it. So he wants to be the messenger bearing, hey, we won a great victory, all is good. And I guess bringing good news. Typically, I don't know if it's typical, but... I don't know, when you hear good news, like, hey, you won the lottery, fuck yeah, here's fucking five grand, right? It's, I guess, he thinks that the king will be happy and reward him. So that's why he outran the Cushite. And if you can help it, just never deliver bad news. Like, just pawn it off to somebody else. Because the expression, don't shoot the messenger, is there for a reason. Because people fucking shoot the messenger. Just because you're the embodiment of the bad news, people don't like you. It's, I don't know why, it's just a truism. So, back to the Bible, verse 30. The king said, stand aside and wait here. So he stepped aside and stood there. Then the Cushite arrived and said... My lord the king, hear the good news. The lord has delivered you today from all who rose up against you. The king asked the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? The Cushite replied, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up to harm you be like that young man. The king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, oh Lord, oh God. <laughs> oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. So David is clearly upset about this, which is kind of weird because he had shunned him for five years. Again, the Bible says out of his great sense of justice, or it doesn't say that, it kind of, or it did say that. It said, you know, I can't be shown to be giving favoritism to Absalom. So I guess this guy, this handsome son of David, who killed his brother because his brother raped his sister. What a fucking crazy story, eh? By the way, that uh, this day people, like people in church, my mother, would say, like, this proves prophecy because earlier Nathan had prophesied that there was going to be uh, you know, war and destruction in his family, and now that it, now it happened, and people in church really fucking go, wow, that's incredible that the, they prophesied that like that. It's not like they all fucking wrote it all at one time. It's it's amazing that that is used in church so much. It blows my mind that people like. Have you ever read a fiction before? Like foreshadowing, the author didn't. 
the author didn't like write maybe something bad will happen and then something bad happens and people go what a fucking psychic I can't believe he was able to foresee that it's like he wrote the whole fucking thing I don't know it drives me crazy um so the king is very sad Second Samuel chapter 19 Job was told the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom so this is like kind of like strike two for uh, Joab by the way because who did Joab kill before um Remember he killed that guy at the gate that David said not to kill? It was Saul's right-hand guy. I can't remember his name. Um, it's not really worth going back through, is it? This is where Kyle actually really carries the podcast when <laughs> I have nothing to say and Kyle just starts talking about his fucking knife collection. Anyways, it was the king's right hand. So Joab has killed two guys that David expressly said not to kill. That's why Joab's such a such a badass uh joab's maybe one of my favorite characters in the bible by the way um in my limited research that i did this morning for this um historians mostly agree on most of the events that happened in samuel you know save for the miracles and i they think the battle of the ephraim woods really happened it's probably you know all we have is this to go on and by the way another thing that i say all the time when this is something i uh I thought of in, when I was reading some history in Sweden. Um, I always say that outside of the Bible, there's only one other source. To give the Bible some credit, just to be fair, uh, there's ancient historians like Herodotus. And you go, outside of Herodotus, there's no other source. So, And we take Herodotus' word for it sometimes. So in that sense, the Bible is maybe a little bit more believable than I had previously allowed. All right? can't remember what the fuck I was talking about. I'm just going to go back to Joab. Oh, so Joab, yeah, Joab killed. Joab was told, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. And for the whole army, the victory that day was turned into mourning. Because on that day, the troops heard it said, the king is grieving for his son. The men stole into the city that day as men steal in who are ashamed when they flee from battle. I don't understand how a whole army slunks into the city of Jerusalem and I really don't I straight up don't believe that the army wasn't celebrating it. maybe they were maybe they were downhearted because they were fighting against other Israelites I know that the Roman generals looking over the field of dead just started weeping when they were you know I'm talking about civil wars here they're like how many Romans have to die so that I mean that probably would be kind of sad maybe you did know somebody on the other side but it's still hard to not celebrate a battle. I'm, did they celebrate at the end of Gettysburg? You know, just looking out there, like, look at these dumb motherfuckers with their stupid accents from the south. Did they have accents? Do you think they had accents back then? I mean, of course they had accents back then. But, like, do you think they had a southern drawl back then? Or do you think most Americans spoke the same? I don't know. I think that, uh, I'm t- I don't know. That was, I was going to try and do an impression of Kyle. But I sometimes I can't. Uh, maybe I'll just uh, pull... Pull half my hair out till it's thinning on top. Oh, Absalom. The king's men... Sorry, back to the Bible here. Uh, the men stole into the city that day as men steal in who are ashamed when they flee from battle. The king covered his face and cried aloud, Oh, my son Absalom. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Cue fucking... Oh, God. Oh, God. We'll edit that in post. Then Joab went into the house to the king and said 
Today you have humiliated all your men who you have just saved who have just saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters and the lives of your wives and concubines. Fucking right. That's exactly it. Joab comes in and just tells the king like it is. Look, you crying little bitch. You, we've raised an army. You yourself appointed me over that entire army to go kill them, to go fucking kill those people who rose up against you. And now you're crying like a little girl because you want to seem like the great guy in the Bible. And those men risked their lives. And that's ex- Joab just made an incredibly good point. I feel like. Um, and the, yeah, and the and the concubines who were up there on the rape tent on the top of the cal- palace. <laughs> it's fucking. It's fucking wild. Uh, uh, You have have humiliated all your men who have just saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters and the lives of your wives and concubines. You love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that the commanders and their men mean nothing to you. I see that you would be pleased if Absalom were alive today and all of us were dead. Now go out and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. This will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come upon you from your youth till now. Very good advice, Joab. That's exactly, that's what you kind of need in a right-hand man. Somebody to just tell you like it is. Like, look, you little bitch. We did this for you. This was fucking your plan, after all. The Bible always makes it seem like it's not David's plan and everything happens to David. I just, I, you know, I don't like, I don't buy the narrative that he's just blameless and pure and just the nicest guy. So the king got up and took his seat in the gateway. When his men were told, the king is sitting in the gateway, they all came before him. David returned to Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the Israelites had fled to their homes throughout the tribes of Israel. That's the opposing Israelites. So in this story, they're always calling Absalom the Israelites. And I guess David has his mercenaries, the Cushites, and some other people. What does it say with him? Um, just says uh, commanders of hundreds and thousands. And Abishai is a badass too. I hope we're get, soon we're going to get to the part of David's mighty men. And that is my fucking favorite. Yeah. In about, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks, David's Mighty Men. It's kind of like a Sin City vignette of all the most badass fighters and their greatest exploits. And it's so fucking cool. I think it would make a great movie along with uh, David collecting those foreskins. That would be that would be in there if I were if I was Zack Snyder. Uh, where were we here? Meanwhile, the Israelites had fled to their homes throughout the tribes of Israel. The people were all arguing with each other, saying, The king delivered us from the hand of our enemies. He is the one who rescued us from the hand of the Philistines. But now he has fled the country because of Absalom. And Absalom, whom we have anointed to rule over us, has died in battle. So why don't you... So why do you say nothing about bringing the king back? I guess that's Israel arguing to themselves. The king delivered us from the hand of our enemies. He is the one who rescued us from the hand of the Philistines. So that's David. David rescued them from the Philistines. But now he has fled the country because of Absalom. And Absalom, whom we have anointed. So, yeah, I'm just reading this twice. <laughs> the Israelites anointed. So they picked a new guy. They're like, all right, David, David fucked off. Absalom's the hottest dude. How can we not follow him? And now Absalom's dead. So that's, I guess, the general scuttlebutt 
of the Israelites. King David sent this message to Zadok and Abathar, the priests. Ask the elders of Judah, why should you be the last to bring the king back to his palace, since what is being said throughout Israel has reached the king at his quarters? Um, you are my brothers, my own flesh and blood, so why should you be the last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, are you not my own flesh and blood? May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if from now you are not on the you are not the commander of my army in place of Joab. So I guess David is shaking things up. He's Joab has been nothing but loyal, um, his best guy. He kills, you know, the presumably conniving general of King Saul and the traitor Absalom, and the thanks he gets is being replaced. And he like right. Not only did he lead the troops in battle successfully and rightfully admonish the king when he's supposed to. Joab is, I don't know, one of the great heroes of this story. So I guess David is um, hes get, getting the clergy back on his side. It's important for you know to have the religious people on your side. You always want God on your side. And he's replacing Joab. Verse 14. <clears throat> he won over the hearts of all men of Judah as though they were one man. They sent word to the... He is... Uh, King David, I presume. So David won the hearts of all the men of Judah as though they were one man. They sent word to the king. That means basically, you know, landslide election. Nine, you know, 99% of the popular vote. Much like, I got the popular vote. Um, they sent word to the king, return, return you and all your men. Then the king returned and went as far as the Jordan. Now the men of Judah... Remember, Judah and Israel are basic. They're the same, but Judah is a province in Israel, and it's the biggest, most powerful province in Israel. Now, the men of Judah had come to Gilgal to go out to meet the king and bring him across the Jordan. Shimei, son of Gera, the Benjaminite from Berhurim, hurried down with the men of Judah to meet the king, to meet King David. With him were a thousand Benjaminites, along with Ziba, the steward of Saul's household and 15 sons and 20 servants. They all rushed to the Jordan where the king was. They crossed at the fore to take the king's household over and do whatever they wished. So hang on here. What's going on? So David goes to Judah and meanwhile, Shimei the son of Gera the Benjaminite with 15 of Saul's sons to take the house before he got there, I guess. It's kind of weird to me or I don't necessarily, maybe not weird to me. I don't understand how Israel is just in this constant state of war. There's just thousands of men marching around looking to fuck each other up. And, you know, they're supposed to be all on the same team here. I guess David is what's called consolidating all the tribes of Israel. So I guess going back a little bit further, all these civil wars that David has to fight is obviously showing that Israel was not united. And even though they were like, so Saul was the king of Israel and then David rose up as, you know, a rival. And then David's whole career up to this point, actually, that's not true. He killed the Philistines and he killed some enemies. So I guess he united Israel against some enemies. And then he's now quashing rebellions. And then after this, um, Israel sees a real period of uh, prosperity. Back to the Bible here. So 
this guy, Shimei, son of Gira, is the first we hear of him. He's going to take the king's palace, which seems like a pretty dumb idea. You can't just go to the king's palace and be like, squatters rights, I was here first. You know, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. They crossed the ford to take the king's household over and do whatever they wished, or he wished. When Shimei, son of Gira, crossed the Jordan, he fell prostrate before the king and said to him, May the Lord not hold me guilty. Do not remember how your servant did wrong on the day my lord the king left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned, but today I come here as the first of the whole house of Joseph to come down to my lord the king. So, I guess what's happening here is this dude had taken over the palace and now he's got, he's here's David's on the way back and he's like fuck so he goes out to meet him falls face down and says I know I did that shit just hey forget about it <laughs> and I guess that's that's his whole plan he's like look I'm the first one here to say show my loyalty it's like you motherfucker you took my house when I was gone but I don't understand how this could work back to the bible then Abishai, son of Zariah, that's Joab's brother, shouldn't Shimei be put to death for this? He cursed the Lord's anointed. David replied, what, you do, what do you and I have in common, you sons of Zariah? This day you have become my adversaries. Should anyone be put to death in Israel today? Do I not, do I not know that today I am king over Israel? So the king said to Shimei, you shall not die. And the king promised him on oath. So once again, David, the forever forgiver, the you know magnanimous king of Israel. When meanwhile, Joab and Abishai are enforcing the law and killing these fucking people. I don't know. I think it's, you know, you, you know how I feel about this. David replied, oh, sorry. Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, also went to meet went down to meet the king. He had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his mustache or washed his clothes <laughs> from the day the king left Israel until he returned safely. I think that means that he looks uh, unkempt. Oh, it obviously means that. What I mean is, you know how when you're mourning in the ancient days, you let everybody the fuck know you're mourning? You're like, look, I am miserable and I look miserable. So I think that's showing that, you know, since you've been gone, I've been having a real bad time. I think that's the point there. Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, also went down to meet the king. He had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his mustache or washed his clothes. <coughs> Gross. How long do you think that is, by the way? It's got to be months. Years? Maybe six months? I don't know. How long does it take to go have a whole fucking battle and march back? Not wash his clothes. Um, one time. <laughs> this is fucking weird. <laughs> One time when I was, I don't know, let's, how old was I? 11 or 12? I, uh, this wasn't my, so I had worn my bathing suit for like a couple weeks because I just had, I'd been going to the lake every day and I slept in it and I was like a little fucking munchkin and I just, you know, and at some point I was like, I've worn my bathing suit every day for two weeks. I'm going to wear my bathing suit for the whole summer and I never... <laughs> I mean, I took it off to, like, use the bathroom, but I wore my bathing suit under my clothes for the whole summer. Gross, hey? That's a true story about me. Now you know that. <laughs> I just remembered that. Uh, he said, My lord the king, since I, your servant, am lame, 
You're so fucking lame, Mephibosheth. Since I the servant is lame, I will have my donkey saddled and will ride on it, so I can go with the king. But Ziba, my servant, has betrayed me, and he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. So, I think Mephibosheth is trying to distance himself from people. What's going on here is David is going around, and everybody's pledging their loyalty, and because uh, they're like, holy shit, David won the Civil War, right? And so anybody that talked bad about David, like, Mephibosheth is like, you know, Ziba said some shit. I barely know that fucking guy. Uh, so, yeah, back to the Bible. My Lord King is like an angel of God. So do whatever pleases you. All my grandfather's descendants deserve nothing but death from my Lord the King. But you gave your servant a place among those who eat at your table. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to the king? You just did, but I see your point, Mephibosheth. The king said to him, Why say more? I order you and Ziba to divide the fields. So David, once again, is just being the greatest guy. <clears throat> Mephibosheth said to the king, Let him take everything now that my lord the king has... Let him take everything now that my lord the king has arrived home safely. Barzeli the Gileadite also came down from Rogalim to cross the Jordan with the king and send him on his way from there. Now Barzeli, same guy, I just pronounce it different every time, was a very old man, 80 years of age. Very old, didn't fucking, you know, Methuselah live to 900? But yeah, that's a believably old age. Um, he had provided for the king during his stay in Mahanaim, for he was very wealthy. For he was a very wealthy man. The king said to Barzillai, "Cross over with me and stay with me in Jerusalem, and I will provide for you." But Barzillai answered the king, "How many more years will I live that I should go up to Jerusalem with the king?" He's like, "Fuck that! I'm too old. I'm staying. I'm not. That journey will kill me." I'm not fucking going. Man, it would suck to travel in the old day. Like, you'd either have to walk or ride something, and neither of those seem very pleasant for an 80-year-old guy. I am now 80 years old. Can I tell the difference between what is good and what is not? Can your servant taste what he eats and drinks? Can I still hear the voices of men and women singing? Why should your servant be added to the burden of my lord? He's like, basically, I'm an old bastard. I can't taste food. I'm deaf. <laughs> I don't fucking want to go. I like this guy. He's like, look, don't bother yourself. I like people that just sort of, I don't know. He's like a, no, I don't want to be a burden. That's how I feel all the time. Why should your servant be an added burden to my lord the king? Your servant will cross over the Jordan with the king for a short distance. But why should the king reward me in this way? Let your servant return that I may die on my own town near the tomb of my father and mother. But here is your servant, Kimham. Let him cross over with my lord, the king. Do for him whatever pleases you. Uh, I don't know who Kimham is. I'm going to assume it's that guy's son. The king said, Kimham shall cross over with me. So I guess this is like Caesar's fucking crossing of the Rubicon, a barrier that can't be passed. So D D Judah's, or King David is gathering support all the way up to the Jordan. And when he crosses this river it's like a symbolic thing that he's coming back to Jerusalem um, Kim out <coughs> well Kim Ham shall cross over with me and I will do for him whatever pleases you and anything you desire from me I will do for you so all the people crossed the Jordan and the king crossed over the king kissed Brazili and gave him his blessing and Brazili returned to his home when the king crossed over to Gilgal Kimham crossed 
with him. All the troops of Judah and half the troops of Israel had taken the king over. So he's got a huge, he's not coming like unarmed. He's got his uh, whole entourage. <coughs> Soon all the men of Israel were coming to the king and saying to him, why did your brothers, the men of Judah, steal the king away and bring him and his household across the Jordan together with all his men? Um, what the fuck? So Israel, so now the Israelites, the rebels, are saying, why'd you even go over there in the first place? Doesn't make very much sense to me. All the men of Judah answered the men of Israel. We did this because the king is closely related to us. Why are you angry about it? Have we eaten any of the king's provisions? Have we taken anything for ourselves? Also, you guys are fucking rebels. Shut the fuck up and bow to our feet. I don't, that's, I don't know. Like, why? they shouldn't have the right to say anything. That's how I feel. Then the men of Israel answered the men of Judah. We have taken ten shares in the king. And besides, we have a greater claim on David than you have. So why do you treat us with contempt? Contempt. We were... Were we not the first to speak of bringing the king, bringing back our king? So I guess is the, this is the good half of the men of Israel, the men that stayed with him, and Absalom had the other bad half. So they're saying, look, we even tried to keep the king while uh, Absalom was in charge. I, I guess that's what they're saying. <laughs> Fuck. I really should have. I, I didn't think I'd read this far ahead, but I've been looking at the clock, and it really takes a lot longer when you're doing things by yourself. So, uh, yeah. You know, I'm not an expert. I, I, I pretend I'm an expert, but I'm not really an expert. I basically read the Wikipedia page before every week, all right? And some commentaries. Um, so why do you treat us with contempt? We are not the first. Were we not the first as, to speak of bringing back the king? But the men of Judah responded even more harshly to the men of Israel. So I guess there's fighting in the ranks. Um, that's, I think, the end of the Bible this week. Next week on the podcast, Sheba re rebels against David. So more rebellions. Um, it'll Hopefully, it'll be me all by myself again and I can get good at this. I am the Lord of hosts after all. I should be able to host my own goddamn podcast by myself. Um, I do not have access to the email, so I won't read an email this week. But I will. I had an idea to talk about, I don't know, a general concept of the Bible. So I moved into a new place, a new apartment. Actually... Uh, my wonderful father and mother did all of that for me, and I'm very thankful for them for doing that. And <laughs> I don't know if my dad did this on purpose or if he just didn't have anywhere else to put them, but I have a bookshelf here with two rows of books on Genesis and the Blessing. And my dad, I had kind of an epiphany. Um, my dad, he has... He's trying, my dad believes in blessing. My dad believes that God chooses people and he gives them more shit than everyone else. I think it's incredibly unfair. I don't think it's true at all. But my dad really believes this. And he's got all these books about blessing. I think my dad thinks that it's some sort of spiritual lottery. And if he can unlock this ancient magic of the perfect, if you could say the magic words, the perfect incantation, God will just give you shit. My, my, he really believes this. I think it's fucking bananas. Um, I, so my, I'm all scatterbrained. My thoughts, my, the idea that I wanted to convey is the ancient, ancient knowledge. That's it. Like before in the last hundred years, everything's gone forwards or progressed. Like every new idea 
not every, most new ideas are better than old ideas. This wasn't always the case, okay? For all of human history, up to let's say the, the Enlightenment, society progressed not like in a linear straight up fashion, there were peaks and valleys. Like the Roman Empire was way more technologically advanced than after they collapsed, right? Like 500 years later, people were walking around looking at the aqueducts, wondering what kind of giants built it. So my, the idea of ancient knowledge – by the way, I got all of this from Dan Carlin's podcast. Um, I just feel like I have to quote my sources. Kyle's like, you know, if you just know information, you don't have to – it's fuck you, Kyle. Get the fuck out of my head. So anyways, ancient knowledge. So that was like – that's one of the reasons people like look to the Bible like it's a better idea because it's so fucking old. But that was true for all human history until now. So if you look backwards for like ancient knowledge, sure, there's got like smart guys like Socrates. There's great philosophers and our ideas are built on theirs. But there's no such thing – what am I trying to say? The idea that they knew more shit than us back then is preposteroni Tony is what I'm trying to say. But that wasn't always the case. Like when you read fantasy and shit and they're like this hidden – we unlocked like the pyramids. How did they build those? They were smarter than us. Aliens, like that kind of shit. And I, my dad really believes that he can go back in time and unlock this blessing and like just like get God to give us shit, which I think is bananas considering – I just look at all the bad shit in the world. Like I always bring up genetic disease because that's – you know, people blame it on sin but I think that's horseshit. I, I see why would God want to bless us when people are born with fucking – what's genetic disease? I can't even think of any. Down syndrome? Uh, Crohn's disease? Is that a genetic disease? I don't fucking know. Did I make any sense there? I don't know. Anyways, that's been the Bible Beater Podcast coming to you uh, – not live from my kitchen in quarantine. I feel a little bit like a crazy person, but I got through an hour. Um, if you want to see some pictures of my trip to Sweden, Dick Spazer on Instagram, D-Y-C-K underscore S-P-A-Z-E-R. Uh, I'll put some pictures on the Bible Beater page. Uh, you can send us an email to BibleBeaters at CandidComedy.ca, I believe. I hope that's fucking true because we've been saying the wrong fucking emails every week. Uh, you can get on the Bible Beater subreddit. I'll for sure see that. I'm constantly trolling Reddit. And uh, hopefully I can do this alone. I'm encumbered by the interrupter. Actually, I'm See you guys next week. I'm like Jesus. I'll be a savior in the streets A break under the sheets Kneel down and witness this immaculate erection, baby Believers, don't you be ashamed To scream out daddy's name I'm gonna take you where the wine and honey flow forever Jesus, oh, well I'm hung, hung like Jesus, yeah.